With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Gonzalez, the host of SI's new podcast, Sports Illustrated Weekly. Sports Illustrated has delivered some of the best storytelling in sports for 70 years. And now that continues on our show. Each week, we'll dive deep into the best stories from around the sports world. Sports Illustrated Weekly is available every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now. Look through your children's eyes and you will discover the true magic of a forest. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Mama, what does the chicken say? Uh, dog. Cat. Giraffe. Giraffe, really? Giraffe. Uh, giraffe. You're not going to get it all right. Just make sure you nail the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Are you ready for this? Sean Merriman, a one-hand sack. Boom, boom, boom. Out go the lights. This is Lights Out with Sean Merriman. What's up, guys? We're back again on the Lights Out podcast with me, Sean Merriman. Uh, we have a special guest today, one of my former drivers in NASCAR. We're taking it all the way to NASCAR today. Uh, Jesse Awuji, uh, former football player, went to Navy. Uh, I always get on him. He was he was okay. <laughs> he was okay, though. No, he, was, he was really good uh, defensive back. But just my involvement in NASCAR over the years, um, I give a Really funny story about how I got started in NASCAR being invited out in 2008 uh, by the Richard Petty's group. And uh, I was the grand marshal to the Fontana race. And I came up and I had no idea about NASCAR. Remember, I'm from Maryland, Washington, D.C. area. I got no idea other than watching NASCAR on TV. It looks like a bunch of fast cars going in circles. And uh, I was in for a treat. 2018 grand marshal of the Fontana races. And I'll tell you, it's one of my most nerve wracking days because I had no idea there was going to be 60 plus thousand people there at the track. I had no idea that getting up there that close on the track and filling those cars and the energy was going to make me nervous where I almost dropped the damn flag. So uh, bringing in Jesse Wooji, we almost uh, also we're going to talk to about uh, the Dallas Cowboys, man. That's his favorite team. And some of the things that coming out of the locker room and Mike McCarthy uh, coming out in an interview today saying that guys should be talking to him direct if they're men. So um, we, we jump from NASCAR to football. It's going to be a really good show. Jesse Awuji. Jesse, what's going on, man? Not much, you know, just uh, living life. You know, ain't nothing cooking over here but the chicken in the pot. But the chicken would be cooking <laughs> if the water wasn't hot. <laughs> you know what? I knew you was going to start something saying 
saying something, right? Because you look, because I know you've been up. I know you've been up since since five thirty already, and you probably accomplished fifteen thousand things already. So just a few things, uh, and you you can take off that trash that trash navy shirt if you want to. Go navy, beat army. <laughs> hey, we almost beat so, Maryland you know, that one year, two thousand five. I think you had just graduated, but we almost beat. I was I was still I hadn't gotten to naval academy yet. I was still a year away. But uh, we got close. We got close. And then uh, a corner that we had missed a tackle with one of your running backs. The next thing you know, you know, that fourth down or whatever it was converted. And then we lost the game. I I, I remember that game. And the yeah. reason why is because that was kind of like the drop off for us. It was like we, we about to lose yeah. to Navy. But you know what? Teams like Navy was always tough. Tough. Yeah. That, that was that was always a problem. Like. We had a we had a, we always had a problem with Temple. Mm-hmm. We had a problem Temple, with yep. you know Navy. Any mm-hmm. any one of the scrappy schools. I mean, mm-hmm. we used to sometimes go and have problems with Duke. Yeah, Duke. When yeah. this is before they actually got good, it yeah. was just one of those scrappy teams that always gave us problems. So, yeah, so tell people a little bit about before we jump into all the, all your NASCAR stuff, mm-hmm. but um, your football. Yeah, and, and playing. You know, when you know what years did you go to play football at Navy, and how how did you get there? Yeah, so uh, originally from Dallas, Texas, and uh, grew up there. Uh, both of my parents came from Nigeria to the U.S., so we didn't have. You know, football wasn't something in our family. Um, you know, not like my dad or my grandparents or anybody played football before. It was really us, me and my two brothers, and my uh, not my sister. But my sister probably could have played football, honestly. But um, uh, both of my brothers and us, we we all played football in Dallas, and you know, as you know, high school football in Texas is huge. So um, I had the big goal to go off to college and play college football. So I worked really hard to um, put myself in a position to get recruited. Um, and finally, by my junior, senior year, I started getting recruited by a few schools. And um, Naval Academy was the best of the bunch. So I just looked at it as a great opportunity to go to a really good school, get a great education, um, play football for a team that was winning a lot of games, and um, be able to have a career um, as an officer in the Navy after, after I graduate. So it was just a win in all different ways. Um, so went to Naval Academy, got there uh, 2006, um, started playing football there all four years, uh, also ran track while I was there. Um, we played against a lot of great teams. We had winning seasons all four years, went to bowl games all four years, uh, beat Missouri, um, our final bowl game, which was my senior year. Um, and that's when Blaine Gabbert played there as quarterback. And we we roasted Missouri. I mean, we it was 40, be 40 something to like, like they scored less than 10 points. Like we killed them. So, um, and that's with our little Navy team that we have a whole bunch of undersized two-star athletes. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that's y'all got y'all got a couple couple three stars here and there. It was one, once in the blue moon y'all catch a three star. But yeah, how, how was that? How was that balance, man? Because you know, I try to tell people all the time. Like when I was when I was in school, you had obviously your classes, football, um, any kind of study hall workouts, winter workouts. How was that, man? Because you also had to you had duties, right? I yeah. mean, outside of football, you had track. What what was what was that schedule like? Because that had to have been grueling. That had been crazy. Yeah, it was grueling. I mean, you know, every morning you're up at, you know, five something, six something. Um, you, you still have your military site type stuff that you have to do. You still have, you know, morning formation. You still have uh, you, you're wearing uniform every single day um, at the Naval Academy. You're not allowed to leave campus uh, throughout the week. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, you are stuck on campus. There's no going out, going and partying, going to Georgetown, wherever during the week. None of that stuff. Um, you got to stay on campus. Uh, we have other formations throughout the rest of the day. Uh, we have other things you have to do as far as just leadership stuff within your squads that you have at the academy. All this stuff you got to do outside of your regular classes. <clears throat> then when you get to your classes, the type of classes we're taking, um, you know, we're, we're everybody, no matter what major you are, whether it's English, history or, or whatever, everyone has to take calculus one, calculus two, calculus three, thermodynamics, electrical engineering one, electrical engineering two, physics one, physics two, chemistry one, chemistry two. Um, uh, everyone has to take all those classes I just named, no matter what your major are. So um, it's a it's a technical school for a reason where everyone gets a technical type degree. Um, but uh, it, it's uh, it was tough. It's not easy. And then throw a football on there, which is like a full time job itself. <laughs> I can't, you know, I can't even imagine because I was looking at like our our stuff. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a ten year, one hundred thousand mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. 
Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The whole hours and classes and winter workouts and you know, depending on what kind of study halls you had after, mm-hmm. it's like, Jesus, man, like college to me was not fun. Everybody said they, they had so much fun in college. I mean, I love going to University of Maryland because the campus was was bar none. I mean, it was a beautiful campus, but my memories of college was not fun. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, I want to get to the league. I'm trying to get to the pros. Mm-hmm. And that's why after my third year, man, I checked the deuce. I was out, <laughs> period. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It's tough. It wasn't easy at all. A lot of people will say, you know, especially going to the Naval Academy, it's like a great place to be from, not always at, <laughs> because, you know, yeah, as a college kid, you know, you're looking at all your friends having fun, partying, all these other places, You're especially because, you know, right when I was getting into college, that's when Facebook was becoming a thing. And it was the first time you got to really see people's lives everywhere they were. Um, and, and you got and all these friends posting all these pictures of them doing all this stuff. I'm like, man, they look like they're having a great time. And I'm over here studying super hard, working super hard in football, studying super hard, just never having time for anything. Um, so it's tough, but you know, if you want to go do something big, like play college football on national TV, you know, you gotta, you gotta make those sacrifices. Chief it. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. I'm John Gonzalez, the host of Sports Illustrated Weekly. Sports Illustrated has delivered the best storytelling in sports for 70 years. First in the pages of the magazine, then on SI.com, and now that tradition continues on a new podcast. Each week, we'll dive deep into the best stories from around the sports world. We'll ask the questions that we're all wondering and push for the answers we all want. Everything from investigating the Super Bowl's impact on LA to examining why booing is as big a part of the fan experience as cheering. Sports Illustrated Weekly is here to bring you the entertaining tales you can't get anywhere else. The kinds of stories that make you smile and laugh, clap and cry, marvel, think, and fall in love with sports all over again. Sports Illustrated Weekly is available every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now.
Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. So that so that was like our connection, right? So I, I want to explain to people how how we met. We met um, at one of my Lights Out events mm-hmm. downtown in Los Angeles mm-hmm. uh, through a mutual friend of ours, Jay. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, um, Jay, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, yep, Jay, yep. Jay Mendoza. Yep. He was a, kind of a social media star. And so I'm having this event um, downtown, and he says, this is my boy, Jesse Wooji. You know, we played football at Navy. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So you got that, that connection yeah. there. And he was telling me about a couple other things. But the last thing that he did was kind of, I, I was like, you remember I had, it was reporters. It was all these people I was talking to. And I remember him saying that he also is in NASCAR. And I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, time out. I, he black though. <laughs> that was the first thing that went through my head. Yeah. It was like, hold on, he's a black dude in NASCAR. And I was like, the only person I knew of at the time was Bubba. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't know of any other black people in NASCAR. I just didn't. So out of all these things that was going on at the event, I like stopped in my tracks and I was like, hold on, hold on, time out. And so I said, did you just say NASCAR? And then we started, you know, he introduced us and we started talking, you know, we talked a little bit about football, but I had no idea um, about some of the other circuits that was in NASCAR, yep, yep. which is the, which is the, which is the K&N. Mm-hmm. So how, how, how did that start? So you left, so you left school mm-hmm. um, and you had your duties and things like that, but mm-hmm. how did NASCAR come about because it was it was just so it caught me so off guard yeah. when we started first talking about it i was like wow man this is crazy yeah so uh you know yeah right when i graduated from the naval academy became a surface warfare officer so you know i was basically going off to the fleet i was on ships uh, my first four years i was on two different ships went on two different deployments uh after and but during that time like when i was back home in san diego at that time um, you know, I would come back to San Diego and I'd, I, I had two cars that, um, were, you know, performance sports cars and I would take them to, um, drag strips and road course tracks in Southern California. A lot of fun doing that. And, uh, after a few years of that, I was like, man, you know, um, every time I go to the track, you know, I, I do pretty well, you know, why not try to take this to the highest level? Like, why not try to become a pro driver or something like that? That'd be a really cool uh, goal to achieve. So I, I wrote it on my whiteboard, um, as a goal, um, become a professional race car driver that was around 2014 and uh from there i was like okay how do i make this happen and i uh, did a lot of research did a lot of networking and put a lot of pieces together to even get to a point where i could uh, find my way into a, a racing series the first racing series was um a late model racing series at irwindale uh, speedway so i was getting into circle track racing That's i figured right. the short the short track, short track short stuff track yeah short track yeah yeah so um got there and i was like hey you know maybe this is where i belong maybe this is where i could start you know there aren't black people really racing in nascar there's not a lot um there was bubba wallace at that time and really that was all i i knew who were in the national series so i was like i need to get to the national series level and race there too so uh began working my way up the ranks i started in late models from late models moved on to the nascar k and n series which is now the arca west series um but uh yeah start uh, started running in there and then a year into that that's when when we had linked up I remember telling you, I'm like, I was just thinking at the time because I was always about networking and trying to just figure out, you know, oddball ways of continuing to, uh, you know, make this journey, you know, bigger. Um, so then when I, when I linked up with you, I was like, man, I was like, what if we figured out a way to kind of make you part of everything that we were doing? You know, at that time, the team I was running with, we were very, um, we had a very open type uh, environment where we could just just do just do whatever we could like whatever oddball things that most people wouldn't think of doing i was like why don't we make you you know former nfl star all that stuff why don't you make you like a team owner basically like a a car owner in the series i was like who's doing that no one else is doing that let's do it ourselves and um you know then that's basically where the relationship pretty much began and it was cool doing that in 2017 i guess was the season we did it and uh, 2017 2018 and um man uh the 
fun times, a lot of, a lot of ups and downs on the races, but we did what we could with what we yeah. had. And, um, you know, you had a lot of great contacts too, and helped us with uh, the, the sponsorship that we had that year. And, um, you know, it all was well. So, um, it was cool, cool way of doing things. Yeah. No, it was, you know, it was different. I was just thinking outside the box and just my involvement. See what happened, how I got it in the NASCAR was in 2008 when I was playing with the Chargers, the Richard Petty group. They invited me out for the Richard Petty experience. Yeah. And they came out and they made me the grand marshal of the Fontana races. Um, and I came out and at that time, I'm from PG County in Washington, D.C. area. We wasn't watching NASCAR. Yeah. I mean, if you did watch NASCAR, it was on TV. It wasn't that exciting. You didn't really understand what was going on. It just looked like a bunch of cars racing fast in a circle. You didn't know. And you know, like in the hood, like back where I'm from, you knew about the Dale Earnhardt's and like, yeah. the, you know, the bigger drivers. Mm -hmm. But you didn't know you didn't know about the actual sport. So mm -hmm. me being invited out for the, to be the Grand Marshal in 2008. They came and they told me everything I was going to do. Mind you, I didn't know how big it was. I think it might have been thirty to 50,000 people that day at the, at the track in 2008. It was it was huge. I had no idea. That I, think, that I think at that time it was like probably 80-ish or so, 60, yeah, 60 to was, 80. Yeah, Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cotto Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Six to eighty. It was it was massive, and they told me what I was going to do. I got there to the track, and they said, "Hey, we're going to give you this flag. You're going to walk up on the ladder. We're going to announce you, and then you're going to start to wave it, but don't drop the flag." And I'm looking at them like, "What are you talking about? It's a you know, it's a damn flag. You know, what I mean, who who can't swing a flag around and whatnot, right?" <laughs> so I got there, and I'm about to walk up the ladder, and I look back, and they told me, they said, "Look." Don't drop the flag. We're going to announce your name. So they announce my name. Crowd goes crazy. They're loud. And then I look back and I said, I got this. What are you talking about? It's a damn flag, right? So I walk out there in the, almost in the middle of the track and I got the green flag in my hand and they start the cars up. And you know, you, you're you that close in the track and the, your adrenaline starts to go and you're like, holy shit, right? Mm -hmm. just, oh my God, they start. <laughs> so your adrenaline is going and my hands start to get wet. My hands start to get wet. So I'm like, I'm like, please. I said, hold on. Yeah, I look back again and I'm, and I'm looking and I just remember them telling me, don't drop the flag. And I go and I start to wave it. My hands are, I mean, my hands are soaking wet. Like two 80, hands 60, down. 80, yeah, so I'm, I'm out there. I'm nervous as hell now. So I'm saying, please do not drop this flag now. <laughs> they start the cars up. And that, I'll never forget the, the energy that goes through you, like your body being that close to the track. And this is why I tell people to, to get, if you are in an ass car, you ever thinking about it, mm -hmm. get to the tracks because yeah. it's totally different yeah. when you get there. Yep. So I'm standing in the middle of the track and they start the engine up and they start to take their, 
you know, the warm up laps yep. around it, you know, yep. uh, cleaning their tires off and doing all the stuff they're doing. And they said, okay, go. And I start to wave the flag. And I, now I hear, vroom, 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 vroom. Yeah. and I'm thinking, I'm going to drop the damn flag. <laughs> I said, please don't do this. This is going to be the most embarrassing shit that ever happened to me before in my life. And uh, so, anyway, but, but that day is why I got into NASCAR because. Going to the tracks to me was it was a game changer. It was way different than watching on TV. Yeah. I got a chance to sit in the pits for the first time. Mm -hmm. You got you got and I'm a adrenaline junkie, man. I like energy and I like, you know, stuff and and it's there's no better adrenaline you have being that close to the track. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Well those those thirty or sixty seconds, however long it takes, or fifteen seconds, however long it takes for them to come in the pit and, and leave out. That is a total a whole different <laughs> adrenaline rush. Yeah. So that was that was my get into nascar type of type of deal yeah 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 no it's uh the, the rush is crazy i mean yeah for people who haven't been to the track before once you get there um you know being able to just yeah feel like the engines the sounds the just the energy around and there's so much going on even when they come in for the pit stops i mean i i, I tell people like that's one of the coolest parts to me is just coming into the pit stops, having these guys jump over the wall in front of these cars that are coming in at 50, 60 miles per hour into a box. Basically imagine driving off of a highway, you know, at whatever highway speeds you are into your garage and stopping just in time without hitting anything. And by the way, five people are jumping out in front of your car to, uh, to, to take off your tires and, and replace them with the other ones and all that stuff. So yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Everybody, I'm Rachel Bonetta, and I have my very own podcast called Benched with Bonetta. You kidding me? Woo! I'm just here so I won't get fined. You may know me from Game Day View or Game Day Morning on NFL Network. Basically, any shows with the word game in it, odds are you'll find me there. Every week, I'm going to be talking about all the things I find fascinating about the NFL, like breaking down games, questioning Tom Brady's genetic makeup. It's going to be great. I'm also doing something that has never been done before. I'm opening my DMs. DMs now open. We want to hear from you, fans of the NFL. Yeah, when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Did you commit a misdemeanor crime when you were 12 and need to tell somebody about it? Please, for the love of Roger Goodell, do not tell me. I can be held accountable. Listen every Tuesday and join me on the bench. Subscribe now and listen to the Benched with Bonetta podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, yeah, so in, in 2008, I went to, from 2008 to the time that we kind of linked up in 2017, I've probably been to, you know, 10 to 15 tracks or something like that. I will go to at least three or four tracks a year. Mm -hmm. And when we finally linked up, and, and, and my whole thing and while we kind of doing what we were doing is to get more acknowledgement in the sport mm -hmm. you know with minorities and blacks like to me man that was that was huge because when i went to the track you didn't see it yeah yeah you didn't you know you didn't see car owners you didn't see team owners mm -hmm. you didn't see really any black people or minorities at the track and i said damn you know people are kind of missing out yeah. a little bit and like you know, maybe it, to me, maybe it was, and I was trying to figure out why. I was like, maybe it's the not having access to be able to go to a track. Mm -hmm. I mean, growing up where I grew up, it was no a track nowhere near. I think the closest track might have been Dover. Dover, right? Yeah, Delaware. Dover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the, the Monster Mile. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that was still what a couple hours away from from where I was. So we didn't, we couldn't afford going there. We couldn't get to the track. So NASCAR was never really an interest going up. Mm -hmm. But I was like, you know what, maybe if we, 
you know, what you know, when I say we, me and you, mm-hmm. and we link up and 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 kind of bring more eyeballs to the sport uh, and do something that hasn't been done here. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it might be different. Maybe you might have more people of color that's going to be interested in getting to the tracks because it it needs to it needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. Was definitely yeah exactly yeah and um you know it was cool especially like you know I think I can't remember which year that you did the thing where you brought all the kids to door it was that twenty seventeen or eighteen um uh, twenty eighteen twenty eighteen yeah, yeah yeah so like things like that I mean that was like really cool and something um I feel like was needed like I feel like right now with, with like I get asked all the time you know what does NASCAR need to do to continue to build diversity I'm like well obviously you know on the driver side um, crew side and you know um, all that stuff. Um, you know, there's a pipeline of stuff that they're working on. You know, they got the D for D program, all these other little things that they're doing to help build that side. But as far as the fan base, you know, doing things like you did in 2018, just bringing a group of kids. And, and I know you brought a lot, but, um, it didn't even have to be that much at time. Maybe it's just 20 kids or something like that from, you know, different inner city areas near the tracks and just bringing them and having exposure. Because like you said, getting them to the track is what's going to create that fan. And then all of a sudden they're going to tell their friend, they're going to tell their friend, they're going to tell their parents. Next, you know, hopefully the next year, the family makes a trip to come out there because a kid all year is like, I want to go back. I want to go back. So, um, you know, uh, doing things like that, I think is huge and, and what the sport really needs to continue to build diversity uh, at, at the youth level. Yeah. So <clears throat> one thing, you know, what Jesse's talking about is, uh, 2018, I got the opportunity to bring, um, about 60 kids from the inner cities, uh, to the track in, in, uh, Delaware to the monster mile. And, you know, the whole cause behind that from the start to me was, is just get them there, right? Let them see, let them be there because there's so many different opportunities in NASCAR. And it's not necessarily always being a driver. Like every one of those kids are not going to be a driver. You're not going to have an opportunity to, to be a driver, but there's so many different jobs and opportunities working at this track. Maybe you can be a track president or whatever that turns out to be mm-hmm. that opportunity is there. It's a lot of opportunity in NASCAR. And what's crazy about that is, um, some of those kids from that day in 2018, they still reach out here yeah. and they send me direct message on on Instagram. I get letters, you know, for at least about 15 kids. And for me, if five of those, if five of those kids that day, if they get a chance to go and one day work in the NASCAR circuit, mm-hmm. wherever that might be, I'm like, that's to me it's a win. my job. Yeah, it's a and win. It's a win. Yeah, it's a win, big time. And what what do you what do you see? <clears throat> you know, because we obviously being there and it's certain diversity programs is set up. It's certain things that's going on in NASCAR, but I just, and, and NASCAR is totally receptive and they're open to, to open the doors to more black people, minorities. Mm-hmm. Um, Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But some, just to me, it's like that, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not enough that the, the that 
bridge isn't built and how people get what do you, what do you see as missing right now what needs to happen yeah um i would say missing wise um like like you said like with what you did like that particular type of program i think is huge i feel like that should be happening at every single track um around the country um not just you know that one time at dover you know it's great and all for that time but we should be doing that every because we do it for the military and we don't bring 50 60 people to every track but um each track for the most part that they go to they have a program where they do troops to the track where they have you know usually anywhere between you know 10 to 20 people they bring um, military service members who are from the bases nearby. And it's a cool program because it provides that, um, that experience to these guys who sometimes have never been to a track before. Providing that same opportunity, I think, to minorities who, who, who just don't have the opportunity to come to the track because of maybe lack of money or lack of whatever or just, you know, the parents are working super hard. I mean, you know, I mean, you, know, I mean you, you go to a lot of these families and it might just only be a mother who's taking care of the whole household and she's working every single day, hours and hours and hours. I mean, she just doesn't have time, you know, or maybe it's a single dad who's just working hard to support the family. Um, they just don't have the time to take their, their kids to, you know, things like NASCAR or, or even any other sport. Um, so uh, if, if, if NASCAR could kind of be that bridge to help bring these people in um, to, to give them that opportunity that they just don't have, that would be huge. Um, you know, as far as uh, past the ARCA level, there really isn't, um, I would say, like another driver diversity type program that's um, really, I guess, um, continuing to push people into like, uh, you know, trucks, Xfinity and cup, you know, right now it just really ends at the ARCA level. Um, not that, you know, there are people who do go from D for D to, you know, in, eventually into the national series and stuff. You have, uh, Daniel Suarez, I believe Kyle Larson was part of the group before Bubba Wallace, obviously. Um, and then on the crew side, there's been people who've done the D for D program who've moved on to be on crews like Brianna, um, or Brianna Daniels, she's uh, she's doing really yes. well in Cup. Um, awesome, she's doing really really good. Really cool, cool person. So, um, you know, but as far as the driver side, um, I feel like there's not really, I guess, a, a, a drive for diversity program in the national series. Um, now it's tough because it just costs money. At the end of the day, no matter what we all do, tires aren't free. Um, vehicles oh, aren't man, free I know. <laughs> all this stuff isn't free it just costs money so you know at the end of the day the companies that make all this stuff they gotta feed their families too so um there is a so, much- so just break so just break it down to people what what, do you, what is the average cost so they so they know let's start at a, a decent team that's on the cup series what does it cost to race per year? <laughs> yeah, decent team. That's what you say. De- well, what you mean by decent? Um, I mean, I would let's, say, let's call let's call it mid tier. Mid tier. Okay. Let, yeah, we can break it into three tiers. A lo- a lo- like, let's say I, I just say a lower budget team, mid budget team, and high budget team. The, the lower budget teams right. in the Cup Series, I would say each race, you know, depending on what they're doing and how they're making their money work, they could be spending anywhere from fifty to one hundred fifty thousand dollars per race. Um, uh, and then mid budget teams, they're probably in that 200 to 400 grand type, uh, uh, per race, uh, budget and the higher budget teams I've heard of cost up to 800,000 per race. Um, and I've heard even more actually. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it, it's, it can be really high and it's pricey and, um, yeah, I mean, you gotta think about it like on, you know, right now COVID time has kind of, um, really, um, changed a lot of different things, but prior to COVID, I mean, you know, for a full allotment of tires in the cup series for a full weekend, I believe it's like 40 grand or something, depending on what track, but like 40 grand or 45, something like that. Um, I mean, that's a lot, that's just on tires for the weekend, you know, I mean, right. not, that's not including, um, all the travel. I mean, think of all the the haulers, the race cars, getting two of them ready for that weekend. Cause you gotta have the backup car. Um, all the people that you're bringing and you got all these people that got to come to a track to work on these cars, all the hotels, the flights, um, the food, uh, all their, all, all their, um, crew gear that they're wearing, their equipment, uh, the, the pit boxes. I mean, those things cost as much as a house, <laughs> you know? So, um, all this stuff that's going on, it just, that's why it costs so much money to race. And the funny thing is as much as it costs to race, you know, in NASCAR here, it's nothing compared to what formula one is around the world. I mean, formula one, there's, their budgets are like, 10 times the amount <laughs> oh it's it's yeah, ridiculous yeah. And it, that's that's my reason for being in mma now so, uh. <laughs> it's pricey it's pricey but it's fun and and you know there there are goods that have I, I, money i don't think is being thrown away you I mean i as much as you know i just named listed a lot of kind of what things cost it's it's not being thrown away a lot of good is being done um and and companies who are sponsoring are seeing great marketing benefits out of it so um there's a reason why it costs them. i mean you can 
you can go spend a ton of money to have a 30 second commercial on whatever, you know, TV channel, or you can spend, you know, that kind of money on, you know, sponsoring a car in a race and having a, you know, three, four hour rolling commercial for the race. So, you know, it just depends on, you know, what you want to do and what your, uh, what your marketing initiatives are. The NFL Podcast Network is your home for all things football. Do you love hearing analysis around the league with a touch of mirth? Or maybe you enjoy breaking down X's and O's in the college scouting scene. Do you breathe, sleep, and eat fantasy football? Perhaps you love the funny headlines that emerge each week. What if you want in-depth news coverage with reporters? Or what if you want to know exactly how each team got its name? Well, you're in luck because the NFL Podcast Network has a show for everybody. Our vast network has the NFL's best talent bringing you right into the action each week. There's always room to add more football into your podcast rotation, and our vast group of shows will surely keep you up to date with everything you need to know surrounding the National Football League. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You, you know what I what surprised me with, with kind of being in NASCAR uh, for the time that I was? It's not just the the lack of like diversity part of it and people not being in it, but also these these companies, these black owned companies, these big black owned companies like the like you just talked about, the opportunities in NASCAR and them not being in it. I'm like, man, do you understand? Like if you have a, for example, if you had a product you were trying to sell, if you're trying to have a uh, product placement or whatever it is, there's grocery stores, there's convenience stores, mm-hmm. there's all these, you know, different companies that's in NASCAR mm-hmm. that's one or two pits away from you. Mm-hmm. They're one or two suites away from you. I can't tell you how many meetings I've had, you know, when the race, before the race started, because obviously you know, I'll be there for the, the drivers and the team owner meetings and things like that. But right after that is meeting after meeting for me. Yeah. And you know, I'm I was just always surprised that there wasn't more big companies, black owned companies that got into NASCAR because of the opportunity there is just on another level. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like there's a lot of uh, Black-owned companies that probably could get involved, um, you know, and, and you know, be, we're still obviously working on the diversity side of, you know, having more diverse uh, drivers and things like that. So maybe they weren't getting involved before because they didn't see that um, diversity. Um, right now, I mean, we obviously are trying to change it. It's still not where it needs to be yet. Um, you know, right now in the National Series, you got me, you got Bubba Wallace, uh, you know, Kyle Larson is going to be real reinstated um, here at the beginning of next year. Um, and then, uh, Daniel Suarez, uh, you know, Hispanic driver. Um, and then, you know, there's females coming up too, uh, by the way. So, you know, when I say minorities, Mm -hmm. I don't just talk about color. It's about females too. So females are are coming up the ranks too. So, um, a lot of different, uh, diversity initiatives are happening. We still need more, you know, we need, we need a lot more color, a lot of different, you know, variants and genders, um, all that stuff just to continue to, to, to represent what America is, you know, America isn't just one race. America is a lot of races. So, um, let's represent what the country looks like in our sport and, um, you know, obviously give opportunities to people who, who can excel and be a great ambassadors of the sport. And, um, you know, that's going to help a lot. But yeah, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, black owned businesses, um, you know, time is now jump in, you know, support. Um, everyone's talking about wanting to support diversity initiatives and things like that. Well, why not support in NASCAR? I mean, NASCAR's making a huge push, I think bigger than any other sport out there. Um, they've taken hard stands um, more than any other sport out there and earlier than any other sport. A lot of other sports are taking a while to make decisions on, okay, what are we going to do here? We're going to do that. NASCAR just stood up and was like, look, we're going to ban the Confederate flag. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, and, and they did it. Like that was it. Like there was no red tape. It was just, we're going to do it. Um, and, and, and I love that NASCAR has been able to take the, the nice, uh, the good stands that they've taken to, to help uh, make it more inclusive. And and I'm sure that wasn't easy for them either to make those decisions. I mean, you know, the, the the years that we were working together and I was flying to short tracks, the big tracks, wherever it was, you know, whether it was Iowa Speedway or it was uh, the track in Monroe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll never forget, you know, coming there and I'll fly into town wherever you were racing to you know, kind of meet you there and going to get my rental car and driving to the track. And going through some of those neighborhoods, depending <laughs> on what the track was, yeah. I, when you I, it was one time, I, and I, I don't know if I never told you or not, but uh, it was one time. I think it was one of the tracks. I can't remember what track it was. I landed there, 
and I was using ways to get to the track and it just took me through some weird neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And I got there and I said, hold on, hold on. It was Confederate flags everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it was everywhere. Oh, man. And I was like, I was like, damn, ways. <laughs> oh, man. I was like, I, like, I got to go back on, I got to go back on a Google map. Yeah. <laughs> kind of got to stay on the main road. Too. It's like crazy. Uh, but, you know, it, I was, I was proud and I was happy the way that, you know, when the whole Bubba Wallace thing happened yeah. and how NASCAR came out. And it wasn't like an indecisive thing. It was like, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And whoever don't like it, deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, period. And Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How everybody came together, because that was a big step, um, especially in a, 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 a sport like NASCAR and kind of from the outside looking in and how some people may perceive the sport and the fan base. So when they took that stance, I was like, right on. That was, that was dope. Yeah. For me. Yeah. No, it was, it was great. You know, um, I, with the Confederate flag thing, even the military, it's funny. A lot of people got upset with it, but even the military, the thing that everyone supports, we also banned that flag too. I mean, we, we, we really did a long time ago, but no one really pushed it enough. Um, and now it was like official, like, Hey, that flag does not belong anywhere on any base because you know, yeah, it's part of history, but it's not a nation. Like the, the Confederate flag represented a nation that no longer exists. The U.S. beat them in a war. It's done. Um, we, the United States of America owns all this now. They're, we're not split <laughs> anymore. So let's, right. let's get rid of the flag. Let's keep it in the history books, and that's it. You know, speaking of history books, you're, uh, you're Dallas Cowboys over there. They're <laughs> making a lot of history. Man. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're going through it, it's, it's tough i i you know obviously Dak prescott is hurt right now and, and hopefully he gets better soon um and can you know come back stronger um it really there's injuries it sucks i mean that that's not a great place to break anything um but uh um you know besides that though but prior to that uh yeah i don't know what was going on i felt like we had a strong team again coming in the year we have all talent in the world i mean the offense was producing numbers i mean if you look at the numbers, i mean Dak was out there slinging 400 plus yards a game um, you know, touchdowns being scored, all this stuff's happening. I just, I don't know what the defense was really doing. I mean, we were just letting up too many points. We we're making too many mistakes. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know, man. It, it's the Cowboys every year. It's just like, they gave you a lot of hope. That's the thing. Like there's, there's some teams out there who just give you zero hope to even start the year. The Cowboys give you a ton of hope at least. So you at least start on a high before you start coming down. You don't just start down. No, they're, down. they're tricksters. <laughs> yeah. They're tricksters. They're tricksters. <laughs> on paper, on paper, they get everybody hyped up all year, and they trick you. That's what they do. Yeah. And then, you know, for, being from Maryland, you either a, a Redskins or a Cowboys fan. Yeah. Back, you Redskins yeah. or Cowboys. That was it. Mm -hmm. It was one of the two. And so I got to hear it either way. And I'm looking, man, and, I'm, and the first thing that come to my mind is they kept Jason Garrett 
two years too long. And they brought the wrong coach and Mike McCarthy to hand over the keys to a Ferrari that was kind of like damaged already. Mm-hmm. You know, offensive line is beat up and, and you know, Zeke had what, three fumbles the other day mm-hmm. and they're just not playing well across the board. And on top of that, you know, you got players in the locker room that speak into the media behind closed doors. Now, I don't know if you've seen that, but they came out and said how unprepared the coaches are. And this is coming from the players. And you can you can tell by watching the game. Like yeah. You play ball like, you know, when you start to lose a locker room, that's exactly what guys do. Mm-hmm. Like start talking to the media, mm-hmm. start going and do stuff behind your back. Mm-hmm. And it's just it just it symbolizes a very bad team. Yeah. And that's what they are right now. They're a bad team. So it just it's fun. it's fun for me because I get a chance to talk trash to some of my family who are Cowboy <laughs> fans still. Um but yeah, you you know, how, how does how does that work, man, in the locker room, and or just even with NASCAR, right? Um, how how does that happen? Because people always think of the, the the drivers, they don't understand like how much of a team NASCAR is. Like everybody around, if you don't, if somebody just not spotting the race correctly, and and I and I spotted a race before, which is kind of crazy. Oh, he did um, spot. But, you know, <laughs> I did. So I remember, I remember that. Yeah. I spotted a race yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, T- yeah, yeah. So t- yeah. tell people what spotting a race is if they don't already. Yeah, for it to be a spotter in a race, you basically, uh, when a driver's on a track, you only have a certain field of vision. You can only see, you know, like this much. You can't really see anything right. behind you. It's not like in a regular car where you can look behind you and all that stuff. You can't do all that because you're just stuck in the seat and the com- full containment seat. You just can't see. So um, you need somebody who's on a radio with you um, looking around you and behind you to let you know that, hey, someone's right behind you, they're on your right rear, left rear, you name it. So um, uh, that person is called the spotter and they're sitting high up in the stands where they can kind of, you know, give you that information. And yeah, you were a spotter for, I think it was like Colorado or something like that. Um, yeah, so that, that was yeah. funny, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah. With the And I was, ner- I was nervous as hell too. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. You, got, you, got yeah. <laughs> you know, you're the spotter, you, you, the, you're the eyes and ears yeah. for, for the driver who can't see in certain blind spots. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I just kind of going out there and doing it. But no, but back to my point, I was saying that, you know, people understand how much of a team NASCAR is. And you have sometimes the same type of thing happening where, you know, stuff gets out of people talking behind closed doors or what's going on with the team like that is not accepted either. I mean, that's that's really frowned upon. Yeah, I mean, that can happen. Um, you know, with NASCAR, a lot of stuff is media. Um, we do a lot of stuff with the media, um, period. And, you know, you can you can tell when certain teams are having issues throughout the year. Um, you know, dr- maybe a uh, driver isn't getting the amount of, you know, um, results that they want what, or wins or whatever it is. Um, you know, and, you know, they might say something to the media, like, hey, you know, it's they, they could blame it on themselves. They could blame it on the team, pit crew, crew chief, whatever. Um, you know, it, uh, people throw blame all over the place. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a team sport. Um, it doesn't take just one person to go win a race. It doesn't just take two. It takes like the whole entire team. The crew chief could be phenomenal. The driver could be phenomenal. But if the crew screws up, the pit crew screws up, all of a sudden, you know, you can't win the race. The pit crew could be phenomenal. Driver could be not having a great day and, crew chief make the best calls and then you know all of a sudden you don't win so you know a lot of stuff um can happen so um yeah i think everyone being on the same page everyone always communicating if that's what keeps the team together that's what allows people to progress because you're not going to win every single race but as long but but you can make progress and you can be doing the right things to set yourself eventually up for uh, a win or or a string of wins eventually so um it's tough nascar is um very different than any other sport every other sport is just one one group versus the other and just one one of them is going to win and nascar you got 40 cars out there so you're competing against 40 different people to try to 40 different people to try to get one win <laughs> it's it's insane man so so tell us what, what's next. I seen you got some stuff going on with the uh, Xfinity series now, right? Yeah. You, um, yep. 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 So, uh, so yeah. So what? So what's I, I, dude? And I, and I wanted. I mean, you moving right now? <laughs> I mean, that from the, from the plan we first started talking and, mm-hmm. and starting on the Canon series, which is now the Arca Arca West. Mm-hmm. Um, but and now moving up to what? What? You know, you went to the truck series mm-hmm. and yep. then now. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So um, you know, went from yeah, Kane and stuff, um, and then uh, ran a little bit of Arca, um, moved up to trucks, uh, ran trucks really since the end of 2018, um, and then uh, I've I've still run trucks this year. I've been running trucks this year, but I started yeah. running Xfinity stuff as well, and I will finish off the rest of this year running Xfinity. 
Um, this weekend, we're running, racing at Texas Motor Speedway. So I'll be racing there. I'm actually flying out today <laughs> to go to Texas. And, um, yeah. uh, and then I'll be uh, racing also at Phoenix International Raceway. So um, yeah. Uh, oh, I love Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix is awesome. Um, you know, being able to have the opportunity to race the Xfinity Series has been, you know, something I've been looking forward to for a while. Uh, and, uh, you know, my end goal is to eventually race in the Cup Series. Um, you know, it just it takes time, takes a lot of money, <laughs> a lot of networking, a lot of partnerships, <laughs> a lot of that stuff to get there. But um, working on getting there, eventually we'll get there. It just, it just takes time. So, yeah, working on that and then, um, you know, working on a lot of other big things, too, that's in the works for, you know, next year, hopefully, God willing. Um, you know, really trying to uh, boost up the esports component of um, racing and NASCAR. Right. I'm, you know, in in the, we're in the middle of uh, putting together uh, esports tournament um, called uh, right. yeah. So it's called E Racing Association, and it's going to be right now. Like there's there's other you know like i racing type um, tournaments that people are putting on i racing that will um, you know they give away money and stuff. The tournaments that we're going to be putting on on i racing will uh, be giving away big money. Uh, we're looking at giving away $10,000 for the prize pool um, for the tournament. So um, there's not a lot of tournaments in the past who have done that kind of money. Um, there's some, but not a lot. And we want to be that one to do it and create a series of events where people can go compete, win money, and this December, hopefully someone's going to have a lot of Christmas money. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically what you're saying is when you get up to the cup series, I got to come back on board because we, we need to put together some money. <laughs> if, you, if you got some stuff you can bring over, let me know. <laughs> let us know. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, it, it just, it, it takes time and money. I mean, it just, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, nothing's free, you know, the tires aren't free. Yeah. You know, equipment isn't free. The time is, it just costs money. There's no way around it. So putting together the right partners, are what it takes to continue to move forward or just having a really big business empire outside of it and just funding it yourself. You know, that works too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, look, uh, appreciate you for coming on. Uh, good luck this weekend. I wish I didn't have to uh, fly out for business because I, I damn sure uh, I love the Texas uh, Speedway out there. So yeah, it's a cool uh, place. Are you are you right in Arizona right after that? Which, uh, we'll we'll be to... race Phoenix is uh, November seventh. So uh, we skip one skip one weekend in there. We'll uh, skip one weekend yeah. and this following week. Yep. Uh -huh. Right. Yep. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'll meet you out there in uh, Phoenix. Now, I like that that uh that track. Yeah, it's a cool track, so, especially right. since they since they redone it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah they um they uh the in the infield. Well, the thing is with with the way COVID stuff is they're not really letting anyone on the infield, but, um, which right. kind of sucks because that's where like all the fun is down there now. I mean, they oh, really man. revamped yeah. the whole place. It's really, really nice. It sucks. I can't really use it this year, but hopefully next year things will be back to normal. We'll see. Okay, cool, man. Well, good luck this weekend. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'll get out there to some more tracks, man, before the year's out. All right, cool. Thank you. I appreciate you guys for listening in to another episode of the lights out podcast with me, Sean Merriman. Uh, one thing about Jesse, man, he's one of the most hardest working guys I know, seriously. And he talked about, um, you know, him being in college, playing football, but also being you know, having his duties, being in the military and his transition into NASCAR, which was crazy. Uh, we got a chance to meet in 2017 and trying to bring really uh, programs and more diversity to the sport. We feel like there was more opportunity that can be done. And more things that can be done uh, in NASCAR, not just necessarily being a driver, but also um, having, you know, inner city kids being able to go to tracks and see what NASCAR is about. Um, also talked a little bit about this, his terrible Dallas Cowboys and what they're playing like this year and you know, things that's going on in the locker room. But always, always great talking to Jesse, uh, wishing a lot of luck this weekend at the Texas Speedway and in a few more weeks at the Phoenix uh, racetracks down there, which I'll be going. So. Thank you guys for listening in to another episode of Lights Out with me, Sean Merriman. And uh, make sure you keep tuning in. Uh, subscribe, rate us, do all those great things. We're getting some great reviews all because of you guys. So I appreciate you for listening in. Thunderstruck. Adjective. Shocked and amazed by the power of fun on Carnival. Riding Bolt, the world's first roller coaster at sea, Brian got thunderstruck so hard, his 93-year-old grandmother felt it 3,000 miles away in Nebraska and immediately booked a cruise. Hooray! Get thunderstruck starting at 289. Carnival. Choose fun. Cruises are in U.S. dollars per person, double occupancy. Taxes, fees, and port expenses. Additional restrictions apply. Full details on Carnival.com. Ships registry, Bahamas, Panama. 
What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Look through your children's eyes and you will discover the true magic of a forest. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct, but most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.